You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits and Final Rise. Hey, what's going on, everyone, and welcome to episode 47. This podcast is sponsored by Final Rise. If you're just getting started or a seasoned upland hunter and looking at some new gear for this fall, I'd highly recommend checking out the Final Rise systems. I've owned my Summit vest for about three years and I have had it through many bird hunts, training sessions, Nastra events, and I have beat this thing to the ground. It still is in the same condition as the day it showed up on my doorstep. American-made vest designed by a guy who is just like all of us. Give Final Rise a serious look at finalrise.com. Trinity Bretons is the home of the Epignole Breton, also known as the French Brittany. All Trinity Breton dogs are from champion bloodlines that are field tested and family approved. For over 33 years, Trinity Bretons has worked to offer you the best bred Epignole Breton in the country. Check them out at trinitybretons.com. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Trinity Bretons. Gunner Kennels. I've personally used and tested every major kennel brand on the market today. After months of hands-on experience, Gunner is the only kennel I'll use for my favorite bird dogs. Man's best friend deserves man's best kennel. That's a Gunner kennel. Anook Shook Professional Dog Food is the highest energy dog food in the world. Anookshook's dense formulations ensure that your pup in training and your seasoned bird dog get what they need to succeed in the field. Anookshook works hard so your dogs can work harder. Check them out at anookshookpro.com. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great, uh, great week so far. It is mid nope, mid June right now. <laughs> it's mid June, and uh, summer is here in full force. We got the heat here in Colorado, um, but uh, we're still still getting out, able to run dogs early in the morning. Um, I know it'll only get worse as the summer progresses, but uh, we're making do. It, it's been good. The mornings have been nice and cool still. So I'm getting out, uh, running my dogs. I'm starting to um, get them in the, there's a uh, pond nearby. And so I'm getting them to swim a little bit. Um, Wynn can swim, which is super exciting. Uh, I was able to toss her in there a couple days ago with Gage and she was super excited and She's not the most graceful swimmer yet, but uh, I was happy to know that she's eager and <laughs> wants to try to try to keep up with Gage. So um, that's always been a nice thing in the summertime. Find uh, find some water, get them swimming. Uh, so that's been uh, that's been fun. Getting getting them conditioned, getting them running. Um, I know I uh, last week I dropped an episode about roading your dogs on the bike. Um, so a lot of a lot of feedback from that. Thank you guys. I'm, I'm glad. 
that um, was insightful for some of you. Um, I'm sure it doesn't apply to everybody, but I'm glad uh, a lot of you uh, found that one helpful. And so, again, just some of the things that I've, I've learned along the years of uh, biking my dog and, again, some of the reason why, why I do it, um, some of the things I've learned and do's and don'ts and all that good stuff. So, um, ho- again, hopefully that was helpful to, to more of you. I know some of you have reached out and said, um, you enjoyed it. So anyways, I'm glad, I'm glad that one, that one worked out. Um, okay. I actually have a quite a bit to get to in this intro. Um, one of the things, so I was, I was running my dogs a couple days ago and summertime here in the West, we get, uh, spear grass, cheat grass, um, there's a lot of different names for some of those, those grass seeds, weed seeds. Um, and also I have to apologize. I have a summer cold right now. And so I probably sound like a stuffy mess right now, but you apologize. <laughs> You'll just have to bear through it. Um, so I, I ran dogs and then I always do a, a tailgate check and man, there was, I didn't look like when I, when I put them down with the area I was running them did not look like there was a ton of uh, cheatgrass. <clears throat> but once I put them up on the tailgate, man, it was in their paws and their belly and their armpits. Um, it was everywhere. And so, so a couple notes on that one, the importance of a tailgate check in your dog, even in the summer, uh, just be careful. Take the extra time to um, look over them really good. Um, that that stuff gets buried in, under their uh, under their fur, and it, it's hard to see sometimes. It's hard to feel, and so take the extra time, even in the summer. Um, I know tailgate checks are important in the hunting season as well, but don't overlook that kind of stuff uh, in the summer if you're running your dogs. Again, when I put them down, it did not look like there was a lot of cheatgrass around, but. Um, there, there sure was. Um, so do tailgate checks. The other thing I was going to mention is the importance, and this starts when you, when you have a pup, um, and even if they're older now, I'm sure you can, can start conditioning them, but the importance of playing with your dog's feet and their ears and their mouth when they're pups, I cannot underestimate this enough because what it does is it makes, when I'm doing a tailgate check and, and trying to pick out, you know, 30 seeds of cheatgrass for my, for my dog, it makes that process so much smoother. They're not going to be stressed and pulling away and and fighting you when you're trying to check each paw in between the toes. And that's something I've, I've done with both dogs a lot when they were puppies. Cause again, I've heard the importance of it and I took it to heart. Um, so make sure you're, you're doing that with your pup, play with their ears, their, their feet, their toes, their legs, uh, their bellies. Cause again, there's going to come a time where you're <clears throat> doing a tailgate check or you need to, to, you know, who knows, maybe they get an injury and you need to wrap their leg or something. Um, it's going to make that process a lot smoother for you, less stressful for the dog. If you, you know, grabbing their paw and, and touching them and looking at their toes is kind of a normal thing for them. And so just wanted to kind of stress the importance of that again, just kind of it hit me this week when I was, I was pulling cheatgrass out of, uh, out of wind um, of saying, you know what, this, this kind of, I can see the payoff now. I can see the payoff from, you know, <clears throat> when I picked her up of, of, you know, putting her on the couch and just kind of holding her feet and squeezing them and, you know, looking at her toes. Um, it's really, really going to pay off in the long run. Again, when you have to do something like that and pull some <laughs> damn cheekgrass out of their toes. So that's the, uh, I don't know what we're, I'm calling call that hot tip of the day, <laughs> whatever you want to 
whatever you want to call that um okay so that was that reviews this is a quick little podcast update um last couple weeks we were trying to get over a hundred reviews uh rating and reviews on apple Podcasts, and we did it (laughs) thank you guys um we're we're several over a hundred now um so thank you guys so much for taking the time to uh, leave a rating and review um, I, I read every every one of the reviews, and I am so appreciative, guys, of um, just what this podcast has meant to you guys in such a short time. Um, I think I get most excited, to be honest with you. Some of these reviews from uh, you guys and girls <clears throat> who have been hunting a long time, I think that's what excites me the most, that this is not just hitting those, um, those new rookie upland hunters and bird dog lovers it's hitting and it's um, impacting those who have been doing this a long time and so everyone listening thank you guys so much just for um, your support and your time that you've invested into this show Um, i talked to so many of you guys throughout the week um, just about uh, you know whether it's questions or just talking bird dogs or hunting plans or um, that's, it's really, really fun to get to do this with you guys. And so I really want to thank you, um, just for that continued support. So, um, couple other things, um, <clears throat> again, so sorry. Um, I have, uh, this, oh, I mentioned this a little while ago. I have an awesome lineup coming up here this summer um, with some guests. I have, I know for sure two guests who have never done a podcast before, so you're not going to be able to hear them, at least so far. <laughs> They're not on any other uh, podcast out there, and both episodes, have I've recorded both of them already, and they have turned out really, really good. Um, so I'm really excited for some of those coming up, and then I have a whole host of, of guests coming up that... Um, I, th- I think are unique, a little bit different, and uh, a lot of fun. And so, um, just be ready um, uh, for yeah, be ready for some of those <laughs> coming down the way. Um, hey, I wanted to mention also I talked a little bit about pay- uh, Patreon. Uh, I'm new to Patreon; I just started it uh, about a month ago, maybe less. And uh, just want to make you guys aware of that and some of the some of the cool things coming up with Patreon. Um, so head head over to Patreon; it's just patreon.com slash the upland rookie podcast so pretty simple to find and um there are some goals set within that of once i hit x amount of patreon uh patreon members um i'll uh, be doing some giveaways and so the first benchmark is if once we get to 20 uh patreon members i have an onyx elite membership card uh, sitting right here in front of me and i'm going to give that away to um to you guys so uh 20 patreon members i think we have five right now um so 15 more and you're uh you'll be eligible for that giveaway and so the odds are really good <laughs> to get uh, entered into that um again any of the of the patreon tiers will get you entered for the giveaway some of the higher tiers you'll, your name will go in the hat a little bit more so but if you just want to do the basic one um your name will still go in the hat um, for that. So Onyx Elite membership card, uh, it's a little over, I think it's about a hundred bucks uh, in value. So um, get in on this giveaway. Onyx is something I renew every year and I will not, <laughs> I will not not never have it or ever have it, whatever I, you know, you know what I mean? Um, and the other th- cool thing guys is um, the other kind of benchmark is once I hit 50 Patreon members, as of right now, I have that set on there. 
Um, I'm going to start doing some bonus episodes for Patreon members only, some short little bonus content episodes of things that you guys have been uh, asking to hear more about, whether it would be, you know, a, a packing list or uh, some things I've learned. Again, just kind of shorter bite-sized episodes. So once I hit 50 Patreon members, I'll start cranking those out for the for the members over there. Um, the other cool thing, guys, is I have a, uh, oh, how do I set this up? There, it's summertime. It's freaking hot right now. Okay. It's freaking hot. A lot of places around the country. And um, I have a Gunner fan kit 2.0. So the brand new fan kit that they just released, uh, I am going to be giving one of those away. And um, so Patreon is going to be your best chance to be able to get in on that giveaway. It's about a $300 uh, fan kit, brand new inbox, all all the bells and whistles uh, just got it a few weeks ago from Gunner, and this thing they've upgraded the battery. It is, uh, I think, stainless steel fan inside, so you can it can get wet. It can be out in the elements. Um, it is a heavy duty fan, so this will mount on any Gunner kennel. This will mount on a custom kennel or maybe even some other brands you have. But um, battery life is phenomenal on this thing. So. Um, once we hit, I think it's 50 Patreon members as well. Once we hit 50 Patreon members, uh, I'm going to be giving away this fan kit again. If you want to do basic level, mid level or upper, upper level, um, it just depends how many times you want your name in the hat. And so, um, so head over to Patreon, get, uh, signed up over there. And, uh, we're going to be giving away this gunner fan kit here. Hopefully, uh, mid summer, we'll see kind of uh, how fast Patreon grows, but again, great opportunity. I know it's summer it's hot and so this is going to be an awesome addition to um, your kennel your truck setup whatever it might be um, again really heavy duty quality they've they've made a big upgrade over the the original fan kit um, in this 2.0 and so really nice stuff so again that's all running through patreon you are going to up your chances significantly um, by heading over to patreon and getting signed up over there so i have the basic wing shooter and have the elite wing shooter and then the gold level wing shooter membership again within each of those tiers there's some perks um, and things that you might want to be aware of um, again i have some hats on the way again shipping delays design delay like there's been a whole shitload of things I've been waiting on. So those are coming, um, but it's going to be a little bit longer. And so again, more details over there. Um, Gold level does get a free hat for the first 15 Patreon members. So if you want a free hat, head over to Patreon slash the Upland rookie. Okay, guys, sorry, that was kind of long. Last thing, and we're going to dive into today's episode. Um, I sit down with Courtney and Brian, and they are both over at Sportsman Alliance. Uh, Sportsman Alliance is doing some awesome, awesome work. Um, we unpack it in a lot more detail. They're doing some great education stuff in schools and uh, helping educate the next generation on hunting. And Sportsman Alliance, their big thing, you may follow them on, on social media or whatever it might be, but they're, they're really trying to protect hunting and fishing for the next generation. And so we dive into some of, some of the Senate bills that are going around right now and unpack some of the work that they're doing on each of those. We talk about the lead ban. We talk about the Massachusetts Senate Bill 1322 um, that is trying to get passed and, and you know trying to put some heavy restrictions on uh, kennels and 
um, things like that, that could, if that passed there, you know, then could trickle down to other States. And again, I think it's stuff that we as hunters and outdoorsmen and women need to be aware of. We need to, um, we need to be educated on some of these things that are going on again, whether it's in your state or not. And we get into that on the podcast here. And so without further ado, um, this is uh, Courtney and Brian from Sportsman Alliance. And I hope you guys enjoy. So I'm Courtney Nicholson. I live in Boston, Massachusetts. Well, just South of Boston on the South shore. And yeah, I work at Sportsman's Alliance. I've been with the company about seven months now. Um, but I've been working in the hunting industry since 2011. So all, all over the place. Fantastic. And what, what brought you to the East coast? Cause I know you used to live in Colorado. Yeah. So I'm originally from new England. I'm from okay. Massachusetts. So yeah, Very been cool. all over the place, been all over the country and, uh, moved back home to be closer to family. So very nice. And I just missed the ocean. So <laughs> it's pretty Colorado cool. Almost has it all. I mean, we have a couple small lakes, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, yeah, I know, I know if you, if you can call them lakes, uh, very cool. Courtney, you are my first, uh, first guest I'm talking to you from Boston. So, I mean, that's, that's something special. You're welcome. And I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian, how about you, sir? Uh, I am Brian Lynn with the Sportsman's Alliance, uh, vice president of marketing communications. I've been with the organization for, I guess we're going on eight years now. I don't know where the last eight years have gone. It's flown by. Um, I live in Washington state, right on the Idaho border, about a mile from Idaho. I can see it. It looks like freedom and looks great. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but I too have lived all over the country, you know, as I came through the uh, industry, the hunting industry is in Texas and then Oklahoma for six years with ESPN outdoors and then, uh, outdoor life brought me over to the East coast in New York city, which is not a good thing for me. <laughs> and, uh, then I got back to the West coast where I grew up. And, uh, so I work remotely, uh, you know, our communications department is remote since it's both just Courtney and I, and nice. headquarters is in, uh, Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I got to ask, does ESPN even have an outdoors uh, division anymore? No, that folded in, I think it was around 2008, 2009, somewhere okay. in there, and somewhere in there. They uh, got into that to make up for the loss of NASCAR mm. and did really well. I mean, it was doing great. And then, uh, yeah, they just decided to fold it, I guess. And yeah. TV ratings could make more with just about anything. More, more baseball and football I yeah. guess <laughs> women's softball anything got higher rating yeah. <laughs> pretty much yeah. oh man that's cool that's cool um well i definitely want to dive into a lot more about what you guys are doing with at uh, sportsman alliance and i have a ton of questions around some of the work you guys do uh but i'd love to get to know you guys a little bit more uh tell me let's go back to courtney what kind of uh yes outdoor recreation or hunting or what do you enjoy and, and kind of what what got you into that yeah. So, um, I have a very unique story as I've been told, I guess. Um, so I grew up in new England. We lived right on the ocean. Um, and we did a lot of clamming, a little bit of fishing, lots of camping, went up to New Hampshire and Maine all the time. Uh, but no one in my family hunted. And so, uh, I went to college in New York city, wanted to work in the TV industry and then, uh, graduated, spent a couple years working on set for a couple different shows and then decided I wanted to go work at a network. 
apply to every network I could think of. And the best, most interesting offer was with a network called Sportsman's Channel, which was Mm -hmm. a hunting and fishing and shooting channel. And so they were based in Wisconsin, but they had a satellite office in Manhattan. They also Mm -hmm. own like 15 different magazines. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started working there and just uh, dove right in. So kind of was a crash course about it. And uh, on the advice of one of my mentors, one of our VPs, she said, you know, you should take hunter education. Like it would really be informative for your job. Yeah. And I said, cool. So I took hunter ed in, in the Bronx. Um, <laughs> How was that? At a, at a, it was at a substance treatment facility center. And it was <laughs> nice. very unclear when you were signing in, what, which were you signing in for? <laughs> so, um, so I took hunter ed and then I went to my first shot show in, I guess, 2012 met a lot of people and they said, what's your favorite thing to hunt? And I said, well, I don't hunt. They said, why? And I said, I don't know. I live in New York city. I'd love to, I don't know anyone. So, uh, I was introduced to a gal, my age, who lived in upstate New York. And she said, I'll take you hunting. I called her out of the blue. And I said, will you take me hunting? She said, sure. She said, have you taken hunter ed? And I said, yeah. She said, do you have a shotgun? I said, no. She said, do you have any clothes? I was like, no. So she's like, do that and come up. And so drove up, met this girl. We went turkey hunting and that was the beginning of the end. So um, (laughs) actually since then, I've made a point to, I've been working exclusively in the hunting industry ever since then. So. Wow. Kind of took over your life, kind of, kind of wrapped up into one and got you, got you on track. It it became everything. So yeah, I've worked at you know, various kind of companies throughout the industry, apparel companies, a lot of production companies. And uh, yeah, joined Sportsman's Alliance about seven months ago. I um, I had my heart fixed on, I really wanted to get into the nonprofit sector and kind of make a difference. So yeah. um, that's fantastic. You know, I, I gotta yeah. ask, I gotta ask, how was your, how was your first turkey hunt? Uh, it was fabulous. It was really hot. It was the last two days of the season. It was Memorial Day weekend. So it was hot. They weren't talking. I saw a hen and that was it. And it was okay. beautiful. I mean, but it was memorable. It was just so I saw fawns playing in the field, like just the sunrise and the upstate New York is a magical place. So beautiful. So that's, that sounds like it. That sounds like it. Yeah. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Brian, how about you, sir? What what are you into right now? And and kind of tell me about your journey a little bit, getting into the outdoors and and hunting. Yeah, yeah. No, I. Uh, well, at first I was raised by a single mom for ten years, and then when she remarried, my stepdad got me out there, you know. And mm. so we did waterfowl hunting and some upland bird hunting, and that's kind of where I started, you know, from through middle school and high school, and then. Uh, into college, I started going deer hunting with my buddies a little more and and stuff, and then after college, I just got into the industry and I mean, gosh, they were like, we'll take you, take you hunting and fishing. I was like, sweet. I get paid to write stories and go hunting and fishing. Awesome. So I've been lucky to be able to do a little bit of everything, you know, have some great adventures all over the country. And so, you know, it's just been great, uh, on my own time, you know, I like to deer hunt and go elk hunting every year with my buddies. And then, uh, you know, the waterfowl hunting I've slacked off on lately, but, uh, the upland bird hunting, I just, I love and got my dog and, and just love it. So that's uh, a real big focus on my own time, but, uh, yeah. pretty much do it all big game. Just did some, uh, bear hunting last week and nice. got my spring Turkey this year. So nice. So yeah. And actually cooked that last night for dinner. Oh, turkey breast. So oh, nothing yeah. better. Nothing better. Yeah. That's fantastic. What, uh, what kind of bird dog do you have? Uh, black lab. 
Okay. So, classic. You know, yeah, classic. You can't go wrong with a lab. You, know? <laughs> you, can't, you can't go wrong. Classic black lab. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's phenomenal. Do you do a lot of hunting? Because you're in Washington, right? Washington yes. State. Okay. Do you yep. hunting there? Do you travel to Idaho? Uh, a lot of it here in Washington. I mean, it's uh, got some great waterfowl hunting that, you know, kind of flies under the radar. It's mm. usually like number five or so in the, in the harvest stats. Oh, wow. And, uh, so it's got a little of everything. It's got sea ducks on the coast. You got your divers, you have your, uh, uh, field ducks, puddlers and stuff. So it's got everything as far as upland birds. I mean, we have chucker, quail, pheasant, huns, you know, so you can wow. go out and get a yeah. true mixed bag. Yeah. You guys got, got a little bit of everything. Are the uh, wild pheasant, are they, is it decent? Is it, are they pretty? It's, it's tough. I mean, if you, if you get down, you know, you get down in the Palouse in the Southeast corner and stuff, there's some, still some great habitat. Okay. So much of the Eastern Washington uh, farming has gone to clean farming where it's edge to edge fields. Wow. And I mean, where I grew up in the middle of the state is the big ag piece place. And it's really a semi-arid desert, but mm. they irrigated it with Grand Coulee Dam. And so being able to find, the strips of habitat that have food nearby and water, it usually yeah. seems to have two out of the three. Uh, okay. And so it, it can be tough. And last summer was brutally hot this summer. Now we're like underwater. <laughs> God only knows what this fall is going to look like. <laughs> polar opposites, polar yeah. opposites. Yeah. Does, I don't know much about Washington. Do they, do they have walking access programs? Is it all state land? Like what, what's kind yeah, of mix, a lot, mixture? There's a lot of public land. Uh, I mean, like I said, the state is very different. You know, everybody thinks of Washington state. They think of Seattle and rain and green. And while we've had a lot of rain this spring, you know, we have a little bit of everything. I'm in the foothills here of, you know, before you get into Idaho and the mountains, but in the middle of the state, like I said, is a semi-arid desert. Mm -hmm. So we have all sorts of terrain and, and everything. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of public land, BLM land, state land, you know, federal national forest. There's, there's a bunch. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Good opportunity at least to get out there. Um, Courtney, tell, I know you got two setters. Was that correct? Tell me, tell me about your dogs yes. and, and what led you to, to pick up a couple bird dogs. Yeah. Um, well, it just kind of fell into it. And so, um, I started dating someone who had English setters. And so I've always been a duck girl. That's been, that is my obsession. So I've always been, focus on duck hunting and did a lot of upland hunting in Colorado, mostly in Nebraska. So pretty much you got to drive pretty much. Yeah. You got to drive pretty much to the yeah. Nebraska border anyways to yeah. get good hunting and you, you might as well just cross over. And so a uh, lot of hunting in Nebraska, a lot of hunting in Kansas and um, we just hunt, you know, with friends of mine who had dogs and a um, little bit without dogs, you know, you're getting sure. a good piece of property that hasn't been hunted. Like you don't even need one. You just sure. kick them. Like they wake up. They're, ev <laughs> right, right. they're everywhere. Go, fly, fly. Yeah. So, so yeah, I had, um, just kind of fell into that. So I, uh, I lived in Michigan for a year and did a little bit of grouse hunting. Um, and yeah, now living in new England, Massachusetts does not have great hunting. Um, there's a pretty cool, I mean, they do a lot of, uh, stock pheasants, um, at some of the, you know, state land and stuff like that. But as far as, you know, wild birds, there are none, there's really no grouse, um, in Massachusetts. Uh, but Maine is pretty darn close. So Maine has some pretty exceptional grouse, lots of woodcock, 
Um, so yeah, so last season was actually my first season, like really focusing on grouse hunting. Sure. And, yeah. That's awesome. Do you guys so get I the... am a total, I am a total Ricky. So <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Um, do you, do you get the woodcock flight going through the East coast mm-hmm. like that or no? Oh, really? yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a pretty good migration of them. So that's they're, awesome. They're around pretty much all grouse season. That's fantastic. And what, what led you to pick up your own bird dogs and and what landed you on the setters? Uh, kind of wasn't my choice. I kind of, uh, just, (laughs) just, uh, that, that became my family. So yeah, my partner had a, my partner had a five-year-old setter and, um, then yeah, it was about time to start a new dog. And so, uh, we got another little setter and so she's about seven months old. Nice. That's awesome. I, I voted, I voted lab. I was okay. Um, but, uh, setters are a good choice. Setters are a good choice for sure. Uh, I do. We do see duck hunting here. So you're not, you're not using a dog anyways. So yeah. So very cool. That's awesome. When you both think about, uh, this, this past season for you, I know Courtney, you're, you're just getting into this and all, but last season, what were, what were a couple of highlights, maybe, uh, hunting upland birds, waterfowl. Um, what, what were some highlights for you guys this past, past season? I had a lot of highlights this past season. It was a, it was a pretty good season. So I shot my first rough grouse. Um, that was actually over our dog, which was just totally magical. Um, everything came together. Uh, she pointed perfectly held like perfect spot, perfect, Mm. like right near, uh, like a logging cut. So like bird flew out in the open. I actually hit it. Uh, so yeah, everything, Thing came together shot my first woodcock um it was just really really perfect and then uh did a lot of sea duck hunting so That's fantastic. um yeah shot a couple of sea ducks that i hadn't seen before and yeah hunted in a couple of new states every year i tried to hunt in at least one or two new states so i think i checked two or three off the list for nice. bird hunting last year well congrats so, yeah. That's awesome well, I, yeah, I gotta, yeah. I gotta ask a little more about sea duck hunting. What, what is that like? And, and how far are you going off the shore? I guess. Uh, a little, a little bit of everything. I mean, you can go out just a couple hundred yards or you can go out kind of in the middle of nowhere. So wow. you're usually hunting less than a thousand yards off of some place or okay. rock or Island. So, okay. um, you know, we'll go out to one of the islands, like out in like Boston Harbor or like Cape Cod. Okay. You know, and, and you're, but, you're in like those, like, I seen like those boat, you're basically sitting in a boat, right? Which is like a blind almost. Uh, these are or like a little like kayak gi- kind of thing? gigantic boats. So okay. they're like submarines. They're oh, like wow. huge official boats. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. <laughs> this yeah, is way different like, than I was thinking. <laughs> They're like tanks. So you can do a lot of marsh hunting. So like, um, you know, I did a lot of hunting actually on long Island. And so it's pretty similar. Like you have all the marshes and you can, you know, dress up a canoe, John boat, whatever you want, just kind of grass it, you know, people put doors on it or whatever. Um, but yeah, to go out actually into the open ocean, like you're literally just like motoring off, like in the dark in, you know, usually pretty nasty weather. So it's, that's a, there's, there's like two, two people I trust to get on a boat, you know, like that. So it's, sure. it's been a learning experience for me. I'm just, I'm totally, totally new to all of it. I'm just used to, yeah. 
uh, I grew up right on the ocean. So you can literally sit on rocks in front of my house and, you know, pass shoot ducks flying by. So (laughs) the ocean, the ocean was a big, scary mystery to me that I'm learning. Sure. That's cool though. That sounds like a blast. Brian, how about you? How was this past season for you? I'll be honest. This is the exact opposite of Courtney's. (laughs) Really? It sucked. It was the worst (laughs) season of my life. Oh no. (laughs) Nothing went right. Nothing went well. Didn't get a deer. Didn't even get close to an elk. I mean, we couldn't sniff one. We were, I think the close was probably a mile and a half away. Just cows. That was horrible. So I was looking forward to a great uh, upland season. And it was brutal. It was tough. Uh, I mean, last summer was, you know, this time last summer was 113 degrees. Yeah. You know, and it just stayed that way. So it was pretty tough on them. And so scratching them out was tough. And uh, so, yeah, that was that was tough. I mean, I got some, but it wasn't uh, uh, it wasn't a, a easy shoot any day. <laughs> out there. Uh, so, yeah, it was brutal. So I guess I learned perseverance and uh, to really enjoy what is taking place this year. Mm. Uh, it feels good to get back on it. But uh, I guess kind of the highlights where I got my nephew out there for the first time. He out of the blue wanted to start hunting and, mm. you know, as a junior in high school. So. That's fantastic. Yeah. He took Hunter's head and we took him out there. And even though we didn't get a buck for him, uh, you know, and that's all we were at at a three point minimum. Um, we had a little spike come in and it probably came to within 20 yards of us. And Mm. he just thought that was really cool and got him out Turkey hunting and uh, this spring and got him, uh, called a Tom in from 400 yards or so and got it down to 10 and it was, just behind some stuff he couldn't get the shot off oh. i'm looking right at it it's just like it saw me eventually and was like i'm out of here and i was like what did you shoot <laughs> um but his heart was pounding so he was enjoying that and then uh, also got a college buddy out of the blue wanted to try hunting so i had him and his son out there and got them their first wild pheasants and oh, wow. uh, yeah. And so uh, that, that sounds like a success to me right there. Getting, yeah, getting some yeah, new people yeah, out I mean, there and yeah, from, from the, from the big picture, it was a yeah. very good and successful year. Yeah. Personally, it sucked for me. But <laughs> sure. Sure. I, I, I like, like I'll take a year of that if that helps and gets those two going and involved. Totally. That's, that's what's important. I, I like the contrast too, Courtney, you were like, this was awesome. This is the best. And you're just like, I'm going to be honest. It sucked. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I had, I like, my, my two years before that were like, I barely hunted like at yeah. all, like yeah. did not make time for it. So yeah, I was like, screw it. I'm doing all the hunts. Yeah. Yes <laughs> just sign me up for everything. Everything. Sign I'll go everywhere. Oh, that's so fun. That's so fun. Yeah. Hopefully this year, I know some places are getting more moisture and hopefully, hopefully for some birds that, that helps us. So that'll be good. But, um, anyways, I, I want to get into to sportsman Alliance and some of the things you guys are, are working on over there. Um, first I'm, I'm kind of curious what uh, Courtney, what, what brought you to sportsman Alliance? I know you were working in the, the TV industry and, and like, what, what drew you to sportsman's Alliance? Yeah. Um, I mean, as I mentioned, I kind of, uh, you know, was looking for a next family to join and really just had it in my mind that I wanted to work at a nonprofit. And so I had kind of had my eye out for a while and had, you know, kind of ears open looking for a new place to join and, you know, loved working at, you know, I've worked at for-profit companies, a lot of marketing companies, um, soft goods, hard goods. Um, and just as much as I loved it dearly, 
uh, and it was a lot of fun. I just, I felt this kind of paradigm shift in the hunting industry of, you know, doing digital communications, doing a lot of social media, you know, you read the comments and you see people and to listen to the constantly, like, where are we going? You know, what is this, what is this big hunting industry media entertainment machine we're making? And Mm. what is it doing? And what is it saying outside of our industry? And, you know, at a certain point I was just like, you know, I kind of, uh, I don't know. I think there might be something on the other Mm. side. And so, um, I thought, Hey, I said, I've always wanted to work in a nonprofit and I've, you know, I think that perhaps there might be something a little bit more fulfilling that I can come to work and, you know, perhaps make a change, like perhaps educate people, you know, instead of selling, educating and, um, and yeah. So it was just kind of, kind of luck that I had seen that Sportsman's Alliance had a position open and, uh, I'd been a member and known about them for a while. I've known past coworkers who had worked there and called up a bunch of people and said, what do you know about Sportsman's Alliance? And they said, you should go work there. So (laughs) yeah, that's kind of how I happily ended up here. So that's awesome. Settled right in. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Brian, I'm going to ask you a slightly different question. This kind of, we're going to rewind a little bit. Um, can you tell, tell, tell listeners, tell myself even like a little bit of history about Sportsman's Alliance and give, give us an overview of, of what is Sportsman's Alliance kind of at its core? Yeah. So at its core, we exist to protect hunting, fishing, and trapping mm-hmm. and spe- to specifically do it from the animal rights movement. So they, you know, we started in the seventies, we've been around since like about 1976, 77, there was a ballot initiative in Ohio to ban trapping the animal rights movement brought funds for animals and HSUS and these brought it. And they saw Ohio as this tipping point. If they could get trapping ban there, they could move it to other States and take it. And so they tried to get it on the ballot, got it on the ballot. And then, some businessmen, wildlife professionals, you know, hunters uh, got together and like, okay, we have to fight this, not knowing what the hell they're doing. And they just cobbled it together and raised money and, uh, you know, put the ads out and they ended up defeating it and they stopped it, you know, and this was in the seventies and, and just kind of as the animal rights movement was really taken off here in America, really hard anyways, at the angle they go now, um, hitting the legislative and the using the legal process to do it. So they, the election was over, they lost, our guys went back to work. They're just normal dudes. Well, they just went to another state and this is what they do. They just move from state to state, seeing where they can get a victory and they use that for leverage on neighboring states or similar states. So the, the new states started calling them, asking them what they needed to do to protect hunting and trapping back then. And so these guys saw a need and they created the organization and would go in and help defeat these ballot initiatives. And then they started working in the legislatures and lobbying and, you know, working that angle. And, and that's really the core genesis of who we are. And it's, it holds true today. I mean, we haven't changed a whole lot. Uh, We're a smaller organization. At first we were never, membership based. It was never like a chapter model. Sure. You know, uh we were more like the superhero that came in and and fought the fight and then went home or went to the next fight, you know, in another <laughs> state. And and to some extent that's still true today. Uh you know, we don't have a chapter system. We have a, a 
membership system and corporate partnerships and, and different things like that. Uh, but we work in state legislatures, all 50 state legislatures and at the ballot box, of course, and then state and federal court, you know, so those are the, the big, uh, places where we fight them. But then we also do research. Uh, we have an economic impact uh, report that details, you know, hunting and shooting the, the taxes and the economic impact they have for all 435 legislative districts. Mm-hmm. You can take that information and go to your politicians and be like, hey, look, you need to start paying attention here. Uh, we have uh, education programming where we're in public schools and have a science class mm-hmm. that teaches conservation science and introduces kids to the North American model, mm. you know, that they don't understand. So hopefully one day, if they're hit with some of this propaganda, they can be like, wait a minute, that doesn't work. Yeah. That, 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 I don't remember. I remember something that, you know, this yeah. you know, at least allowed them to question it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's our big, you know, thrust is to protect hunting, fishing and trapping. Yeah. You know, so we don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, whatever. Yeah. You know, if you're doing something from an outright ban to a kind of backdoor attack, like a coyote contest mm-hmm. or breeding dogs and training dogs, you know, if it's going to impact one of those disciplines negatively, yeah, we're going to step in front of it. And uh, that's, you know, that's fantastic. I, I love how you guys are not, not just on the defense side, but you're on the offense side as well. It sounds like you're doing some things with education, being in schools, I think that that kind of that combos, that's really cool. Kind of getting on that, that offensive side as well. Is that something that you guys started kind of recently? Has that been around for a long time? Well, we've, we've had a youth program going back over oh, 20 years or so. Uh, but that was kind of more of a one day where we try to introduce friends and family and stuff and work through uh, different trade shows or work with the boy scouts or different groups to try to get, especially, you know, city people and city families and kids introduced to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's kind of changed, you know, since, since we first opened that one day, one off events don't work. You need Mm. multiple touches. You need, you know, several experiences. You need Mm. to be able to talk to them on, you know, repeatedly one day shooting a BB gun or catching a fish out of a little pond isn't going to change their paradigm when, you know, 10 years later when a ballot initiative comes up, you know, Mm. you need that more in depth touch and try to get them into the funnel to find some interest in this. So we created this conservation science class. That's a year long curriculum. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it teaches the five disciplines. It uses the five disciplines that feed into the North American model, hunting, fishing, trapping, boating, and shooting. Hmm. And it talks about it, you know, so you can talk about drag or resistance or weight, you know, on trajectory, you can learn about fish and aging and age classes and how those work together. Uh, we've had, it's a very hands-on class. Mm. Uh, one teacher had the state come in and, uh, you know, game warden brought in a deer, the kids Mm. skinned it, quartered it, butchered it, wrapped it, you know, so doing all that kind of stuff and kind of, as everybody likes to say now, normalizing it. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, what, what kind of, resi- I mean, getting into schools and again, are we talking like rural Montana or, or have you gotten into some more no. city, city we areas? Launched, we launched in Ohio and Pennsylvania with, wow. with the, you know, blessing and some grant money from Ohio and Pennsylvania game departments. Wow. And, you know, there's, 
yeah, of course, a lot of the small schools like it, mm-hmm. but you know, we have some inner city folks that are interested in it. And we just did that this year, launched it this year. And we we're in 71 schools across five States. Oh, wow. Yeah. About 2000 kids. That's awesome. Know? And the comments we we're getting back are just phenomenal. Like it gives you chills and you read them. They're like, Oh, yeah. I didn't know conservation involved hunting and fishing. Yeah. I thought it was just how many animals were around, yeah. you know, another kid saying, I thought this would be my least favorite class. It turned out to be my favorite <laughs> class, you know? So they're boating, they're kayaking, they're shooting yeah. arrows, they're cleaning stuff. They're, yeah. it's, it's a really, really neat course. And if anybody wants it, all they got to do is call us. We'll help walk them through, you know, the board process, or if a teacher has it, they know a teacher who wants it, yeah. we can help out there. That's phenomenal. I, yeah. I think, I think, you know, even like you said, boating, fishing, trapping, I think those things kind of get forgotten about. I think people think just, it's, it's just about hunting, shooting elk, shooting birds, maybe. I think you kind of forget about the other recreation pieces that go into this. Like you, like you mentioned, I think that's it's yeah. kind of eye opening to some people, I think. Yep. Yep. And, and also that's what that class has. Uh, before that we were doing, uh, families afield for about 15 years. So that is, uh, that was in partnership with NRA and NSSF and NWTF that we did for, Oh, I don't know, 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody probably knows it from your mentored hunting licenses or your apprentice licenses that you mm-hmm. can get. Sure. That's what that was all about. You know, mm-hmm. getting people out there at first it was, Oh, how do we get kids out there? And creating these apprentice licenses that if you go with somebody who's been hunting and yeah. has a hunting license, you don't have to pass hunter's ed, you know, because mm. that's a high threshold, you know, finding time doing this, especially for an adult, which is where we then shifted to was like, well, a first time hunter is a first time hunter. It doesn't matter if they're 10 or if they're 80, mm. you know, but to try to get an adult onset hunter who's somebody who has interest in it, at least to go to a class or take a class that takes up time and then to go out shooting and get, you know, certified or qualified and then get all the gear and do all of this for maybe they'll like it. Maybe they won't. Sure. You know, that's a, that's a tall order to ask. So we worked on this families of field and I think it's in 46 States or 44 States, some form of it, you know, so you can get people out there trying it. And is, is that, does something like that, the families of field, like how does someone know about that? Does that run through like a thing like pheasants forever or backcountry? or that that runs through the state. So like, so like here in Washington, it's a one year, one time deal where you get your hunter education waived. As long as you're with a hunter, another hunter who's been licensed, you know, some states it's one year or three years or whatever. Um, you can go out there and don't have to have hunter's ed. It's just an apprentice program. Right. In other states, it's three years, you know, uh, in some states it's, you know, I I think Colorado's a year, I believe. I think it's a year in Colorado. There's some states that it's as many times as you want, but you always have to be with somebody. So that's kind of the, the more that they can do it, with somebody, the more ingrained and more yeah. likely they are to then go take Hunter's Ed and be a part of it. Yeah. So that was a big success and something that was huge for us. That's fantastic. And, and the, the curriculum you mentioned with, you know, being in school, is that something you guys developed yourself in-house? Yeah. Really? Yep. Yep. It's a, it's a great program. We developed it uh, and wrote that. It's like about a 300 page book. I got it around here somewhere, but it's a 300 <laughs> page uh, workbook, you know, and every day there's like, 
two pages they read and three or four questions they answer at home. That's their homework. Pretty mm-hmm. easy, low, you know, not super hard. But then they come to school and they do some type of lab with it, you know, testing the breaking strength of fishing knots or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. So it's all tied together. That's cool. It's really cool. It's it's probably the only thing I've seen in 20 plus years of being in the industry that could actually change mm. the trajectory of everything. That's and, phenomenal. Because we're reaching into the public school system. Yeah. You know, people yeah. that have no, no idea about this world right. can now learn about it and from a very scientific and practical matter. Yeah, absolutely. Um Another question, and you can, either of you can answer this, Brian, Courtney. Um, so around around that, just something you hear people say is hunter numbers are declining, things are declining, we're not growing as much. When you hear that, what what do you think? What's your your take on when when you hear someone say, "Oh, like hunting and fishing is dying, it's, it's declining." I mean, it, it, it's true. It's it's going down, or even if it's holding even the overall population is growing. Hmm. So as a percentage of the population, we're shrinking no matter what, you know, but it, those numbers can be skewed a little bit, right? It's math. Hmm. I hate math because it doesn't <laughs> make any sense to me. <laughs> I'm a words person, but <laughs> the math, you know, like, yeah, that's usually that's based on how many licenses were sold, hmm. you know? So it's, it's pretty accurate and pretty strong. Sure. But there are those that have, you know, dropped out that no longer hunt or those who have aged out, you know, that aren't doing it and aren't being represented there. Mm. So, you know, it's usually higher than what it says, at least people who identify as hunters, you know, it's usually higher than what it says. But that's kind of the pressure point or the barometric point that we have to use to, you know, measure this. And it tends to be declining, even though we got a little bump with COVID and stuff, Mm. but uh, you know, so overall it is though. Okay. Okay. Um, And then another, it was more of a practicality question, I guess. Um, So let's say there's a new, uh, some, a new bill or a new initiative that's happening in a state. We'll take the, uh, you know, Ohio back in the day, trying to ban trapping Uh, how or when, does your organization get involved? I guess, how are you made aware of that? And what's like, do you have people, I don't know, stationed? <laughs> like, just walk me through this. So, you know, a ballot initiative, that's pretty easy to see coming. They have to apply and, and get everything approved and then go gather signatures. So we have plenty of time to see that coming up. Um, what's harder is, yeah, the legislation in all 50 states is usually hitting about the same time. First of the year till now is just kind of crazy. Mm. You know, there's all sorts of bills that are filed and pushed in and then assigned to committees and moved through committees. And, uh, you know, we have software that we have keywords set up for that mm. grab anything that could be part of that. And then those guys in government affairs, God bless them there. <laughs> I don't know how they do it, but they read bill after bill after bill and oh. see, okay, this does apply or this doesn't apply. Um, okay. This is a threat. This isn't a threat, or this is something we need to keep an eye on, but it's in a friendly state or a friendly committee, you know, so we can just kind of put that on the burner and just keep an eye on it. This is a bad bill or a bad state, mm. or, you know, this committee chairman, this is his ax to grind. So it's mm. going to come up. You know, and so they they engage in it then and, you know, start making phone calls and talking to people, finding a way to the right right people that they need to talk to, to either get it killed 
or get it amended or just drown it and table it, whatever they got to do. You yeah. know, they, the sooner you can kill a bill, the better. It mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't gain the momentum. It doesn't get, you know, off the ground. It doesn't get headlines. It doesn't get, you know, the partisan pull with everything. So if we can kill it or amend it, you know, it's to take us out of it. Uh, the sooner we can do that, the better. Mm. And we try to do that. If not, that's when we have to put the alerts out and the stories and be like, okay, right. now we need to put some pressure on them. Yeah. I was going to ask, are you just getting overwhelmed with, with small, I guess, bills being approached that we don't even, people like me might not even hear about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's what we put out on the site and social media and stuff is just a fraction of Mm -hmm. what they're working on on the back end. You know, like I said, we try to kill it before it even comes out, you know, we even need to do anything about it. Cause then it's just quiet and doesn't happen. You know, it's hard for me coming from an editorial background and Mm -hmm. I like to, argue anyways so you know i like to punch him in the face and make him look foolish and yeah, rah, rah, rah. that doesn't work it took yeah. me a little bit to learn that when i got here like no this is politics yeah. you, you can't you can't give them a black eye and throw a pie in their face because we're gonna have to work with them in the future or this is gonna come up sure you know, let's take the win and and move on to the next one yeah Oh man. So it's pretty cool too. We get, um, besides our government affairs team, we get a lot of outreach from our members. So individual members, but also, you know, we work with all the other, you know, NGOs. So we partner with, you know, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Mule Deer Foundation. So if they see something, they, you know, we're always all talking to each other. Um, also all of our, um, club memberships. So we have club memberships all over the country um, you know, individual state bear hunting associations, you know, Massachusetts Sportsman's Council, Tennessee Bear Hunters Association. So they're always on it, emailing us, calling mm. us, tagging us and stuff on social saying, have you guys heard about this? Are you watching this? And, you know, most of the time we're like, yep, we're on it. We're mm. watching it. And then every so often we're like, oh, no, we haven't heard of that yet. Mm. You know, and and so it's really cool. I call us the yeah. Ghostbusters. So it's like when <laughs> kind of all working to get know, alerting each other. <laughs> Well, it's like when you don't know who else to call, it's like we have a number. It's right on our website. You call and one of two lovely ladies in our headquarters will answer the phone and they'll direct you to, oh, wow. you know, who who needs to to hear about what's going on in your state. So that's fantastic. We're very, we're very direct to us. We're very grassroots. We got the line open. So that's so cool. How big is your company as, as a whole, as far as employees go? Uh, total employees. We're probably like 15, 18, somewhere right in there. Okay. Pretty small. I mean, that okay. includes everybody, the people, the bean counters and the <laughs> folks doing fulfillment and That's awesome. phones. So yeah. how, how about your, your member base? Uh, that, that gets a little trickier because we're a 501c3 and a c4. So we have donors, we have members, we have corporate partners, you know, and so it, it gets, it gets tricky. Um, we're, we're smaller compared to a lot of the organizations out there. I mean, sure. RMS, Pheasants, you know, all the critter groups, especially sure. are a lot larger. Um, yeah. so yeah, we're, we're smaller, but, uh, and we've never, like I said, we never started with the chapter setup. We were yeah. just basically a, you know, political PR Hmm. agency that would come in and run those ballot initiatives and then work on, on the back end and lobbying and, and working that stuff. So we were never set up to be a huge member organization. Sure. It's something we're still trying to explore. 
and see if there's some way we can do something yeah. without, you know, without, it, without, you know, creating the monster that we then have to feed, you know, the, <laughs> right. the, the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. <laughs> right. Oh. Well, that's part of our job. I know I talk to people sometimes and they go, well, I've, you know, I've known what you guys have done forever and you guys do great work, but like, you guys don't have members, do you? Mm. I was like, oh no, we have membership, you know? And they're like, oh, well, I thought you guys were, oh, okay. So yeah, definitely, um, yeah. definitely getting the word out. And, and another challenge there for us is this, The I mean, there's a few states that are consistent, right? We know we're going to get stuff in New York. You're even though they've just about banned everything, you know, something's coming in California, sure. you know, it, there are places where it's consistent, but the animal rights movement moves and they, they target specific States at specific times with specific mm. issues. So we may not be in a state for two or three years. Mm. Well, there may not be that many attacks. Mm. They may be focusing on other places mm. and then it's hard to retain a member who hasn't seen a threat at their back door. And they're so, oh, wow. Yeah. 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 And, but then three years later, now they're coming after them, you know? Yeah. So it's, and then, it's, then you got alert all of, for example, Colorado, Hey guys, get, get ready. Cause this is yeah. happening. Yeah. You know, so it, it's hard to tell somebody in Alabama or someplace. Yeah. Like, no, you need to stay engaged and keep paying your 35 measly dollars a, a year. Sure. Even though we're working in Colorado and Washington and yeah. New York now, later on, they're going to come for you. I mean, it's kind of, yeah. sometimes it's a bit like selling insurance. <laughs> sure. I think a lot of people are, I think a lot of people are used to it too. I mean, especially being in Colorado, like I've been a Ducks Unlimited committee member for years since the first yeah. day I started hunting. And it's kind of, you know, when you explain to people, okay, you know, the, the money that you raise in your state isn't necessarily staying in your state. Mm. You're like, why? Be like, well, they're not breeding here. They're not wintering here. You know, it's like, they're just sure, coming through. Can, yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, you need like the money needs to go where it's urgent at the time or where it's going to do, you know, the most, the most good. And I think yeah. all of the NGOs have something similar kind of to that. So, yeah, that's good. Well, I'd love to get into a couple of specific, um, you call them bills or, or issues. I don't know what the right term is. Uh, for example, the, the Massachusetts, uh, the restriction on breeding and kennels and sales. That's the Massachusetts uh, Senate Bill 1322. Can you explain a little bit what's going on there? What, like what, uh, first off, so like what, is, what is it? What's the, what's the concern there? And then unpack it a little more. I'll let Courtney handle that. I was bear hunting last week when it came out. So she was running the show. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of what we see a lot here, you know, in lots of different states going on, especially in the Northeast is that there's a lot of these bills that come through. A lot of them are well-meaning bills. Um, you know, they're bills that are trying to stave off, you know, animal abuse that are staving off puppy mills that are staving off, you know, just, unsafe conditions for, for dogs, for animals, for pets. Um, and so this one came out of, there was a doggy daycare in Massachusetts that had a incident where, you know, a couple of dogs had, had passed away under their care. Um, and this is kind of where we see these bills year after year, state after state kind of come out of. And so a lot of times, a lot of these bills, the way that they're introduced, um, you know, the Senator or the Congressman might not necessarily know exactly what they're introducing, people don't, you know, if you're not a hunter, you don't think about hunters. If you don't hunt, 
you don't think about hunters. Sure. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times like we'll approach these issues and say, you know, did you know that this doesn't allow for this? Did you know that, you know, hunters do, you know, this, if you're saying, um, certain restrictions. And so that's, this is just in a long line of those similar dog bills. Gotcha. <laughs> that's my, one of my little fishermen. Oh, yeah. yeah one of my, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you're, you're, you're scaling the wall. You might want to check on her. <laughs> oh, he's grabbing his hockey stick. That's what he's, so one of my, one of my twins. I have uh two and a half or yeah, almost three-year-old twins as well. And so what's up, buddy? <laughs> very, very self-sufficient. <laughs> um, Courtney, that was awesome. I had a thought on that. Uh, oh, so with this bill coming out, you guys have published some stuff about it. it so this has risen to a level that it's going to be possibly taking action on soon. Is that kind of what the point we're at now with that one? Yeah, I'd have to double check on that because a lot of times like they'll have their initial hearing, then they'll go into a committee and then a lot of times they can vote at any time. So every state is a little bit different in their timeline and when and if they allow public opinion and how, you know, mm. sometimes you can physically walk into the meeting and you can testify. Sometimes you have to do written um, comments. Sometimes you can do it via Zoom, you know, live during their session. So, um, yeah, I'd have to double check on that one where exactly it is at. But that's when we when our government affairs team contacts our department and says it's time to talk about it. It's usually they've tried to reason uh, with the person who's proposed the bill. They've tried to amend it. They've tried to, you know, and, and it's just time. So we sure. try to be helpful and yeah. constructive. And, you know, at a certain point when they say no, yeah. then, yeah. It's time to participate. And, and because it's in Massachusetts or, or any state for that matter, is it only Massachusetts residents that can then obviously vote on it, right? Or help take action against things like this? Or can other people around the country help shoot something down like this? Yeah. So that's a good question. And that's something that, you know, we've been seeing a, a, a flourish on, you know, especially in social in the last couple of years is you know, and Brian could speak to this more if people, you know, saying, you know, us saying people have to pay attention to this. You got to call, you got to comment, you got to do all these things. And people saying, oh, well, someone else will or, or whatnot. So now people are really engaged. And so people from other states want to help participate. Um, it's uh, it depends on what it is. So if it's not, you know, if it's just a bill, then it's not something that is getting voted on. But, you know, the public, it doesn't reach the ballot. The public can vote on it. Um, but you're calling like your individual, um, you know, congressmen and, and legislators. And so it's kind of a gray area. So living in Massachusetts, you know, of course I can go and I can call and I can email my representatives, um, and they're going to listen. I'm their, I'm their constituent. They have to pick sure. up the phone. They have to at least pretend to care. Right, right. Um, but when you're calling from another state, um, you know, it's kind of at their discretion of saying, you know, well, you're from Virginia. Well, you're from Vermont. You're not my constituent. You're not going to revote. You know, you're not going to vote me back in or, sure. or, you know, you're not my, I'm not accountable to you. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, everyone can participate. Um, a lot of times the legislators might make it difficult to like in particular in New York state, uh, and certain other states people don't actually list their email addresses or their phone numbers. 
um, mm. they'll have a contact form on their website. And a lot of mm. times they'll make you type in your address mm. and your zip code with your zip code extension mm. before you're even oh, allowed wow. to contact them. Wow. So we can understand like, you know, having a lot of our company working, you know, in the legislature, they see the back end of this, you know, sure. they understand we don't want people's comments from all over the country. Sure. But where, why people are concerned is, is that when this happens in Massachusetts, it's going to happen somewhere they're else. Going, right? They're going to Connecticut next. They're going yeah. to New Hampshire next. They're going across the country. And then the other part is, is that when some of these initiatives and bills and petitions are being put on by national groups like HSUS, they of course are moving on to the next state. They're just trying mm. it everywhere, tweaking it, trying it in the next state. So mm. very long answer. Yes, everyone from every state can participate yeah. and, and make their voice heard on all these issues. Um, if you're from out of state, you know, you perhaps may not get an email back, but sure. every voice is valuable. Yeah, yeah. Just, just to piggyback that, like, I mean, the emails are great. If you're out of state, you know, they're going to take it for what it's worth um, from their perspective. But if you're out of state, the best thing you can do is pick up the phone and call, mm. you know, and, and I mean, actually in state too. emails are fine. They're great. Mm. It gets it on the record. They're also easy to sort by subject and just mm. get rid of. Sure. Um, but if you're calling that, I mean, that gets under their skin because mm. somebody has to answer the phone and then they're tied up. Mm. And if they're flooded with calls, it gets under their skin and everybody's nobody's working. Right. Mm. So I don't like that. But if you're out of state and you want to call about something else, the best thing you do is pick up the phone, call and explain to them, Hey, I hunt there. This, you're, mm -hmm. you're trading away my dollars, one for my license dollars and the dollars I'm going to spend in your district mm. you know, on hotels, on food, on gas, yeah. especially gas nowadays. <laughs> right. So, so if you can pick up the phone and explain that in a phone call, that's going to have much more impact, even though you're not one of their constituents. Yeah, you do visit and you do bring money into their their districts or their state, yeah. which always weighs heavily on a politician. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I was just going to ask you, like, like someone's listening out there, like, like what would you say? You, okay, you pick up the phone, you make the call, someone answers, like, you know, what what would you you say? But I think you kind of mentioned, hey, I I hunt in Michigan or Virginia, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, you know, that we do have going for us as, as a, or as a industry is, yeah, we hunt everywhere, you know, yep. we can go anywhere and do this. And so, yeah, if there's, if it's there, you can call up and tell them that, yeah, you're, you're costing your state money and yeah. tax money and revenue and everything else. Yeah. That's great. A um, couple, couple more I wanted to ask you about um, the, the lead ban um, I saw on your site as well. You guys have been posting about that for a little bit. Um, can you explain what the, what the lead ban is right now and, and what's going on with that? Yeah, this is, this is the big one for, for right now. And uh, we've seen it coming for a while. So, you know, every year that you'll see these headlines that, you know, President Bush, Obama, Trump, Biden, they all expand. They say, oh, expanding hunting and fishing on the National Wildlife Refuge, 2 million acres expanded. You know, so in 1997, the Sportsman's Alliance and our lawyer wrote the 1997 Refuge Improvement Act. And that's what allowed these expansions to take place. 
and they've been taking place since the Clinton administration. And so in 2020, Trump ex did his expansions and everything was fine. Then Biden did his when he came into office, like two million acres. And, but the Center for Biological Diversity, radical environmental group, you know, who just loves to sue the government and then recoup their attorney's fees through the Equal Access to Justice Act, um, they sued over the Trump expansions. And so they, their arguments, their legal arguments in the, in the lawsuit was that hunters would trample critical habitat for endangered species in areas where grizzlies and, and black bear habitat overlap they could shoot a grizzly bear, an endangered species, uh, by mistake or in self-defense. And then they were saying that uh, lead, lead is poisonous, it kills the raptors, it poisons the water, hmm. it does this and that. And so we need to not do these expansions and, and shut this down. And that's what they're suing over. And once hmm. they get a toehold with those they can expand it into the rest of the refuge. Mm. And so the endangered species stuff, they basically sued on this in 2003, right after we passed the 1997 refuge improvement act, a couple of years went by and they sued in 2003, 2004, the ruling came back, we beat them, you know, so there's no legal, very little legal standing or presidential standing or precedent at all. So this is kind of a slam dunk. We're lining up, NRA was lining up, SCI is lining up, NSS, we're all lining up to jump in, you know, on behalf of, of the government and say, no, you know, and, and it's a very strong case. Well, the Biden administration decided to sit down and open negotiations with them. And that's mm -hmm. when we put the story out there, January, February, uh, that they were negotiating with them when there's absolutely no reason to negotiate. Right? And this is the group that originally sued back in early 2000s, right? No, uh, back then, I think it was Fund for Animals back then, oh, okay. which later became merged with Humane Society of the United States. Um, but so this is this group is, you know, out of Arizona and, and very litigious. They sue over everything. Mm. But there was no reason to sit down with them, and the Biden administration has sat down with them to negotiate and then I think it was in March, a senior advisor with the Biden administration said, yes, they're going after lead. You know, this is where the talks are, are centered around, which was kind of our initial reading. Like, OK, we've already beat them on these two topics. What's left here is lead and they're going to try to make it go lead free. And so that has gone around and around. They did a stay to keep talking and now they've proposed a rule which in effect is a settlement, you know, uh, they've proposed a rule that I think it's 12 states or eight or 12 states uh, that will go lead free in their, on the wildlife refuges within the system itself. Mm. Those states will immediately go lead free. And then any future expansions, you know, by the mm. next president, we're going to open up this unit of this refuge to deer hunting or squirrel hunting or whatever, any new expansion would have to be lead free mm. ammunition sinkers, whatever. Okay. Well, that's going to create a patchwork, right? Mm. Cause you could be on a refuge and they open different units. Yeah. So you could be hunting in this field and be fine using lead. And then the next field over, 
have to have non-toxic. So it's going to create a patchwork. One, that endangers us for breaking the law and, and getting tickets, but it becomes very cumbersome. So what will they probably do? They'll probably just make it all lead free. Mm. Then it's a small step from the National Wildlife Refuge System to all federal public lands, BLM, National Forest, anything else. And because the national government, the federal government, disburses Pittman, Robertson, and Dingle Johnson dollars, they can use that funding as leverage to make states make their own public lands lead-free. Oh, geez. So this is the first domino that's being kicked down. That would kind of start to these other things come into effect after that. Yes. Because then you have legal precedent and and that gives them the ability to say, no, we did this over here. It's legally sound, gives them a legal footing that otherwise they don't have. So this is actually a very big deal and something we're taking serious and championing, championing. Yeah. Our, our wildlife refuges, uh, for those that don't know, are those owned by the states that they're in or is, are those federal lands? Those are federal lands that have a manager. And okay. typically they manage them usually in accordance with kind of the state. Okay. Yeah, they're very similar, but they are federal lands. Okay, okay. And then... How does how does land like walk-in access land like Colorado walk-in programs, Nebraska walk-in open fields and waters like those lands? How do those come into effect? Or, those, or, are or, or, those are state lands, usually uh, managed by the state, recruited by the state, paid for. You know, if there's a payment process in the state, uh, whatever that. Every state's different, but uh, that's a state initiative. Okay. Okay. And, but, but if this domino effect could happen, that could also affect those, those kind of lands, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it falls to the state, then uh, down the road, you know, which is where we see this going, yeah. uh, that could be implied. And this is kind of, this goes back to the Obama administration and Dan Ash, who was the department of the secretary there, um, his last day in office, he said the wash the wildlife refuge system phase out lead get rid of it mm. and then the trump administration came in and a week or two later said no that's a dumb rule we're not going to do that mm. of course all the headlines then were trump is killing the wildlife and poisoning the land and all that even though the rule had only been in place for 2 weeks oh, so it, you know it's it's a media stunt but yeah. biden having been obama's vice president and that environmental bent tending to vote that way and throw money, you know, into, into candidates uh, that's throwing a bone to them and pushing their agenda through <laughs> the guise of a, of a lawsuit. Sure. Have you guys, have you guys been able to, to, I guess, make any traction since this lead bands kind of started to surface a little bit, what, what kind of what, where do things lay right now? So right now they've, uh, you know, we're, we've got, uh, I think it was 33 representative house of representatives that signed a letter against it. Uh, 27 senators. We organized, uh, 41 conservation and advocacy groups within our space, uh, to everybody sending in letters and opposing it. Uh, and so that's where it went now just this last week, uh, they proposed the new rule, the states that go immediately and then the, the eventual phase out of lead while they do a study. 
of course, the study will probably come back to whatever they want it to come back and say. So who's, uh, it, who's it led by? The, the It'd be led by USFWS. Uh, national, okay. Yeah, federal, you know, which is under the Biden administration right now. Sure. Um, so we have until August 8th, people can comment and submit their comments online in, in writing, whatever, and get their comments in and we'll see what happens then. Mm. You know, there's whether they implement the rule or not, we'll see. Uh, and steps after that will determine, you know, what, what happens. Yeah. Wow. That's all. That's a lot right there. It's <laughs> a yeah. lot to, yeah. a lot to digest. Yeah. <laughs> my mind's spinning. Um, what, what are some other, is there any other important issues that are going on right now that are kind of good for people to be aware of anything, anything big that, um, you know, similar maybe to the lead ban or anything big that's, you know, we need to know about. Yeah. I mean, I think just really what's going on in your individual state. So especially right now, you know, being in Massachusetts, we're in right next to me is Rhode Island. So we're kind of getting hammered right now with all sorts of bills that are going on. So yeah, it's, um, you know, go onto our website, search, you can do the search function and search by state and see what's going on in your state right now. And, you know, what we've been working on the last year, what they tried last year, what they tried the year before that. And, um, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. Um, what is, before we wrap up, I just have a couple more things, but as, as far as if anyone wants to follow along with Sportsman Alliance, be a, be a part of it, help in any way, shape or form, what's the best way to, I guess, connect with you guys, stay in touch, you know, obviously probably website, right? Social media. Yeah. So stay in touch with us on social for sure. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, follow along like us, um, but also, well, obviously become a member. We'd love for you all to become members Uh, on our website. You can join as an individual. You can join as a business, corporate sponsor, uh, your sporting club, whether it's a brick and mortar club or a, you know, an online club, you can join as a club, um, kind of defray the costs and uh, get a membership that way. Um, But sign up to our newsletter. Um, so we have, we send out, um, individual state specific alerts, uh, to just your state when there's something going on that's urgent. We send out a weekly newsletter every Friday with kind of a wrap up of everything going on in the country. And yeah, if you need to reach out to us, reach out on social, um, info at sportsmanslions.org is our main email address. That'll get routed to whatever department needs to hear about it and, uh, give us a call. That's fantastic. Okay. Well, keeping with tradition of my, my podcast here, uh, got a couple, couple closing questions for you both. Um, I, I'd love for you both to answer this one. It's kind of a staple question. I love to ask anyone. Um, can you talk to the, to the new hunter out there? It doesn't just have to be upland hunting talk, talk to the new hunter who is just getting into this. Uh, maybe this fall coming up is their first season. They're, they're excited. They're listening to this podcast right now. What's, what's a piece of advice that, uh, you would, you would tell them. I would say ask a lot of questions. There's no dumb questions, um, you know, and you never know what you're going to learn. Um, you can always learn something new. Hmm. Even when I'm trying something I haven't done in a little while and someone says, oh, if I repeat something, like, don't get offended. And I always say the same thing. I say, if you repeat something and I already know it, it will be a great reminder. <laughs> um, so really just kind of, you know, leave the ego at the door. You know, um, you can always learn something new. You can always learn something different. And hmm. so whether you're new, whether you're reactivating, you've been, you know, used to hunt as a kid and you're coming back into it. Um, just ask a lot of questions, you know, and if someone makes you feel 
you know, like that silly to ask questions or you should know it already. Like poo poo, shame on them. Um, <laughs> you know, I started hunting when I was 24 maybe, and I'm still the only person in my family who hunts. And so just be open and learn and, and make friends. And really for me along the way, um, joining different NGOs was a great way to meet people. I've moved a lot. And the first thing I do when I land is I join a new chapter of whatever organizations are around me, Mm. um, go to the banquets, go to the dinners, go to the cleanups. Um, you know, you'll learn about the habitat, you'll make new friends, you know, it's just a win-win for everyone. So ask a lot of questions, make a lot of friends, find a mentor and then pass it on. That's great. Well, very well said. Brian, how about you? For me, having just taken out my nephew and my buddy, uh, it just try to enjoy it, even if you're not pulling the trigger. Uh, sometimes it's, especially when you're first starting, very focused on pulling the trigger and seeing that one specific animal you can shoot and stuff. Uh, pay attention to the little stuff. That, that's mm-hmm. As you go through this journey, you will naturally gravitate that way and start doing that and noticing that, you know, you won't be in such a rush to, to get it all done, but uh, yeah, notice those little things and how the animals interact and what habitat they're hanging out in and, and get to learn it and know it. And uh, you know, just watch their actions, the young deer or whatever uh, it can make everything, you know, just great. Those sunrises, you know, sometimes that's all you're coming home with. So, uh, <laughs> enjoy the whole process. Oh, I love that. I love that. Thank you guys for both, uh, for sharing that. Those are two really good, uh, good perspectives and good, good things to think through. Um, okay. Last thing is a couple of rapid fire uh, questions for you both. Um, Brian, uh, for you, what came first, the, the gun, the hunting dogs or hunting? Hmm. That's hard to say because even before I started doing any of it, I was reading dog books. Mm. I, so, okay. I'm going to have to say the dog. Okay. So, so that I was reading. Are you dog writing books. in an answer? Huh? <laughs> Are you writing in an answer? <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would have to say dogs because it's uh, yeah. I was reading those uh, Jim Kelgard books when I was little and always had the interest. And then we got a Springer Spaniel and mm. training books. And then, you know, started, my dad started teaching me to shoot and, uh, we were going to, we took it out hunting. No idea what we were doing dog, but, uh, I had to Love say it. the dog. Love the dog it. First. That's awesome. Courtney, what came first? The gun, the dogs are hunting. 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 Okay. That's right. Cause you didn't get dogs till a little bit later, right? After you started. There you yep, go. Bar- it's, all, it's all about who, you know, you got to find a, a good friend or two with some dogs and you're good to go. <laughs> That's awesome. Our Courtney will stay on you. Uh, how many clays have you ever hit in a row? Oh, that I don't know. I wouldn't claim more than five. Hey, know. that's more than some. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Whatever is in my head, probably a lot less. <laughs> we'll go with five. It sounds better. <laughs> Brian, how about you? I have no idea. What I do know is when I was at ESPN, we went to a shoot and my boss and the CEO were there and I beat both of them. And my boss looked at me and goes, you're not very smart, are you? So that's all I know. I did that, I did that too once. <laughs> I beat one of our VPs with, I borrowed his gun. 
Ah, there you go. Salt in the wound. Yeah. Yeah. Very quiet day at the office the next day. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. You're like, uh, no, why is no one talking? Um, Brian, if you had to leave one piece of gear in the truck, what would it be? The gun, the game vest, or your boots? Oh, uh, game vest. I can put the shells in my pocket. I can tie the to the tie the birds to my belt. Oh, you uh, thought this through. <laughs> without, without without a gun and without boots, you're not doing anything. So you're not you're not going to make it very far. Or you're like not going to be very successful, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I like the explanation, Courtney. Same. I, for the longest time, I couldn't even find a vest that fit me. So I never had a vest on me. So I also kind of shot a lot better without it. So yeah, vest <laughs> usually, usually don't wear one anyways. Hey, there you go. There you go. Okay. Just a couple more. Um, what gun are you carrying into the field and why? Uh, I shoot a Winchester SX three for everything. Um, oh. cause Every round I put through it, I get better and better. So that's my nice. duck gun. That's my turkey gun. That's my sporting clay gun. Is that a 12 or a 12 or a 20? 12. 12. Okay. Very nice. Brian. So I've got several guns. I've got a nice Benelli. I need to get a nice browning. I, what I want is a nice over under, probably get a nice browning. Um, the go-to gun <laughs> I'm almost ashamed to say it is the one I bought in college, you know, 25 years ago and <laughs> almost 30 years ago for like 300 bucks. You know? <laughs> there you go. Winchester 1300. It's a boat or it's long. <laughs> well, that, I mean, I've never missed a Turkey with it. I've pheasant, take it out, pheasant, upland hunting, mm. you know, duck hunting. I beat the crap out of it, drop it, whatever. But I know what that gun does and that's uh, awesome to go to. That's awesome. All right. Just two more here. Uh, Brian, favorite dog breed besides the one you own. Mm. Well, I got a lab now and I'm so split because I keep thinking about getting a different dog and GSP, a German wire hair, but uh, Springers are always popular. Probably. I don't know. I'd probably lean towards either a wire hair or a Brittany. Oh, Brittany. Yes. Yeah, there I like we go. They're just cool little dogs, you know, little movers and, and great little upland dogs. So, dude, I'm a dog guy. I did the, like, <laughs> You're struggling. Fun. You're struggling on this. I want them all. That's, that's the thing. Like, yeah, I don't like, blame oh, you. I think I heard I'm a Brittany guy. So I think I heard you say Brittany. There we go. We'll go we're with gonna, that. We're going to lie. We're going to lock that answer in. It's always, always a win for the Brit. So there we go. I like Uh, it. Courtney, how about you? Uh, Favorite breed besides the ones you own. So no setters, any setters. No setters. No. Uh, I don't know. Probably a flushing lab, maybe a poodle pointer. Okay. Whatever bird, whatever dog finds birds. (laughs) So you're not picking them. What they they find you birds. Nope. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Courtney, beverage of choice after a hunt. Oh, uh, usually some, well, it dep- <laughs> depends how long of a day it was yeah. either a cold, <laughs> either, either a, a cold beer or a warm stainless steel cup of uh bullet bourbon. Okay. Very nice. Might pour myself one of those tonight. Um, <laughs> Brian beverage of choice after a hunt. Give me a beer. <laughs> Are we talking, we talking fancy beer. We talking cheap Coors beer. What, what, what is your, 
Okay, that, that depends what we're doing after the hunt. So we have a nice dinner. I'll so take picky. A, I'll take a pale ale. If we're sitting around cleaning birds and uh, picking burrs out of dogs, I'm going to give me that half rack of bush light. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. It's it's so fun to hear the diff- the range of range of answers I get. Oh, well, Courtney and Brian, this has been so much fun. It's, it was really good getting to know you both and hearing all about what you guys are doing with Sportsman's Alliance and just all the, all the good work you guys are doing. Um, so thank you. Keep it up. And this, is, this has been a blast. Thank you. Well, thanks for having us on. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Brian, if you want to talk more Britneys, give me a holler, all right? <laughs> will do, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> all right. You both have a great night, and I will talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's a wrap of episode 47 of the Upland Rookie Podcast. Courtney and Brian Bull, thank you guys so much for taking your time unpacking uh, some of the work you're doing uh, for hunting and fishing and just the outdoor recreations around this country uh, that we all love so much. Um, So really appreciate um, your knowledge, your wisdom, and just the efforts that you are working on uh, for all of us. Hey guys, just remember, if you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure you are subscribed on whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever platform you're listening to. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you're getting all the latest episodes downloaded right to your device. Also, share this episode with a friend on social media. uh, Tag the Upland Rookie Podcast and help spread the word to more hunters and bird dog lovers just like you. Remember... Go put some miles on those boots and follow your favorite bird dog. Take care.